You're listening to Women Making Waves. Coming up next, we have Dr. Jean Venables, CBE, is a civil engineer, and she's the first female president of the Institution of Civil Engineers in 2008. And you got to speak to her, Linda. I did. You know, she's had such an illustrious background, the list of things that she's done, and she's got a CBE and MBE and OBE. Oh, <laughs> wow. Was, that she, is... was, she was laughingly saying, you know, it makes me sound rather greedy, doesn't it? And she was just such a lovely person. But she's done all this amazing stuff. And to be the first female president of the Institution of Civil Engineers, you know, is no mean feat. Mm, it is. I think she is allowed to be greedy, Linda, and have all and be able to say that. I, I'd be very proud if I was her. She is featuring in a photography exhibition by Anita Corbin, and it's called The First Woman UK. And it features, and I think this is a lovely sentence, it features ordinary women achieving extraordinary things. Dr Jean Venables, CBE, is a civil engineer who became the first female president of the Institution of Civil Engineers in 2008. Among many other achievements, she's worked on flood risk management projects and was chairman of the Thames Regional Flood Defence Committee for nine years. She has been awarded an MBE, an OBE and in 2010 was made a CBE. And now her portrait features in the First Women UK exhibition a project featuring a hundred pioneering women of the 21st century, which also includes women such as Angela Rippon, Betty Boothroyd and Nicola Sturgeon. Jean, nowadays there's a drive to get women interested in engineering and other STEM subjects. But I'm assuming that when you were choosing your career, engineering wasn't the obvious option for women. What made you want to become a civil engineer? You're certainly right that 50-odd years ago, it was very, very unusual. And this was before Sex Discrimination Act and women in science and especially engineering were very rare. So when I decided that's what I wanted to do, I met a great deal of opposition. But the more opposition I met, the the more I wanted to do it. Who was the opposition coming from? Was it your family or was it the university? Uh, School was very discouraging. They thought I was throwing away a good education to become an engineer because they didn't understand it at all. My mother was, well, that's what comes of giving a girl a head. And they wasn't entirely sure that this was the right career to go in. And university said, well, yes, you can do it as a degree, but you'll never get professionally qualified because you won't be allowed to work on site. And I said, I jolly well will. So I went out and I worked for both my summer vacations on site. Did you find it easy to get employment having come out with your degree in engineering? Yes, I did. I got a choice of three jobs when I finished my degree. And I started work with the GLC Department of Public Health Engineering because I had actually done the specialism in public health engineering in my final year. And so I was into water, water quality, rivers, sewers, all aspects to do with water, which mm. I thoroughly enjoyed. And notice that you seem to have been involved in a lot of projects involving sustainability as well. Is that something that particularly interests you too? Yes. My very first year after graduation, I got thoroughly involved with the Institution of Civil Engineers as, as part of their graduates and students movement. And again, was first chairman of the graduates and students committee at that point. And we were running committees and conferences One of the conferences was on sustainability, although we didn't quite call it that. We talked about sort of 
making use of resources and making best use of resources. And we were sort of patted on the head and told that when we grew up, we'd realise there wasn't a problem. And my husband and I have been sort of campaigning on this in civil engineering ever since. He was a fellow civil engineering graduate. And so we shared our ideas on, on that topic. And did you meet at university? Yes, we did. You, you yes. did. Yeah. And you've been together since then. Yes, indeed. Yes. Which, which is lovely. And both very successful in uh, as civil engineers. Yes, uh, we, we went our separate ways. He worked for Contractor to start with and then a research organisation. And back in the 80s, we formed our own company and have been running it ever since. And that's Venables Consultancy, of Correct. course, which is yes. still, 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 on the still going. Yes. yes. What's the most exciting project, do you think, that you've worked on? Do you have a favourite? I worked on the Thames Barrier Scheme. And that was a very special project. And we tend to think about the barrier as being the barrier. Mm. But there are actually 30 major barriers, 400 minor barriers, and hundreds of kilometres of wall that actually make up the Thames Tidal Defences. And I not only worked on that as a very young engineer when I'd just become chartered, but I then went on, as you say, to to chair the Thames Flood Defence Committee and... As such, we were providing the funds to run the barrier. Uh, and so I got thoroughly involved in it at that point. And then in the year 2000, I was very much part of the movement to look at what we're we going to do for the next 100 years in the estuary from the year 2000. Everybody else had a millennium project. So <laughs> my millennium project was pushing for consideration of what we did in the next 100 years, what was going to be the policy. And that took about eight or nine years to develop and it's now been accepted by government, it's been accepted by the Environment Agency and is now being implemented, which I'm very proud of that. So Thames Barrier sort of runs all the way through my career, really. And a big project and very important one as well. Very significant. Very significant. Yes, but it has to be worked in conjunction with all the other aspects. It has to be seen as part of a whole system. It's just the most photogenic one of all the barriers and therefore it's the one that gets all the attention. Um, But uh, there are a lot of other barriers that need to be closed in order to protect London. You became uh, the first female president, as we mentioned, of the Institution of Civil Engineers. That was in 2008. Now, to put this into perspective, you were the 144th president of that institution, but the first woman. Was that a groundbreaking moment for the institution? I think it was. I mean, I was only the 12th woman ever to become a chartered member of the Institution of Civil Engineers in the 70s. Wow. And so, although a lot of people said, why haven't we had one before? There just isn't a large number of people of my age group who are civil engineers and who happen to be female. I've never described myself as a woman engineer. I've always described myself as a a civil engineer who happens to be a woman. And so there was a lot of people who made a lot of fuss about the fact that I was the first woman president. And I tended to leave that to other people's introductions. But to me, I was the president of the Institution of Civil Engineers. And as such, I wanted to represent it and represent the members of the institution to the best I could. And I think that's a really valid approach to take Mm. because I don't know about you, I'm not particularly in favour of positive discrimination when it comes to women. I think it's the best person for the job and that should always Mm. be how it is. I thoroughly agree with that. If you're part of a quota, 
then you're only there because you're part of a quota and you've lost your authority. Mm -hmm. If you're there because you've competed with everybody else and then you've been selected, then you've got the authority to, to carry out that role. Yes. And I think that is very, very important. I would certainly rather be there in my own merit than making up numbers. Yes, <laughs> every day. Um, and uh, and I, this is something that I, that I push very, very firmly. And of course, a lot of people said, and a lot of people when I went around the world uh, as president said, it is most encouraging. You've broken the glass ceiling. Mm. I now believe I can do it. And um, that's the thing, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes, that that's the, the role thing. model. And, and I, I, each time I've done something like that, I've always tried to leave the door open behind me so that the next person would be welcome rather than never again. Do you have any advice for women who are maybe civil engineers and want to, to reach the top of their career? A lot of them are doing so now. A lot of them are doing so very, very effectively. And it's becoming much, much less of an issue Yes, they're still a minority, but because they try so hard, they're actually often there very much on merit because they are so much better. You mentioned at the beginning of the interview that you were determined that you were going to go on site. How did that pan out at the time? Were you, you must have been, or I'm, I'm suspecting you're probably the only woman on many of these sites. Oh, yes. And usually the first one they'd ever had on site, so they didn't quite know how to manage me. And you just got on with it. And some people didn't want you there. Some people were very supportive. If they didn't want you there, you just had to work around that and try and convince them. But they're entitled to their own opinion. And that's the view I've always taken. And if they change their mind, that's great. And I suppose that's the thing. We set out for people to change their mind and, and think highly of us, really. Mm. That's the way that you, if, that you operate. Yeah. But if you haven't boxed them into a corner in the first place, then they, they find it much easier to change their mind. Yes, going back to the, <laughs> the positive discrimination. Yes. Absolutely. You also have visiting professorships at uh, Southampton, Strathclyde University and um, Imperial College London, which is where you, you mm. trained. Do you enjoy that academic role? Do you enjoy meeting students? Yes, I'm currently a visiting professor at Coventry University and I love the, the, the contact with the students. I thoroughly enjoy the, the day with them. I lectured for 20 years at Kingston Polytechnic and so I have this very large family of former students and they're all mine because I feel very possessive about them and I, I love following their careers and seeing what they're doing. And indeed, it was so long ago, some of them were already retired. But um. <laughs> <laughs> The Institution of Civil Engineers have set up the Jean Venables Medal, haven't they? That's another big accolade for you. Yes, really. I thought you had to be dead before you had a medal named <laughs> after you. <laughs> You so, managed it. You managed to, to do it without without yeah, that. That that is being awarded for the best performance at the technical professional review, and that was caused by the fact that I was checking that all of the technician incorporated and chartered engineering review candidates were being treated equally, and there was a prize for the best chartered review candidate, the prize for the best incorporated review candidate. But the best technician review candidate didn't get a prize. And so I said, they really should. Mm. And please, can we organise it? And a little working party got together and they came back and reported to me and said, we've organised everything, but we're just short of one thing. And that is your permission to use your name. And I was absolutely so surprised and, wow. and really delighted. And when the prize gets awarded each year, 
I get invited to the ceremony and I sit next to the prize winner. And I thoroughly enjoy that and making contact with where they've come from, how they've developed and what their career aspirations are. What are the biggest challenges that face those engineers coming through today, these young engineers? Our civil engineering industry has always gone through cycles. There's investment, there's full employment, and and then government tends to go through a lull and then the employment drops off. And I think a steady investment in projects, a steady flow of projects, would be so much better for everybody's career. It would be so much better because it would be more efficient in terms of delivering the projects. And so a steady flow of investment into projects and trying to phase the bigger projects would be good for the country and good for the individuals. They've also got to adapt very, very quickly to changing technology. One seen it in the last 50 years. The next 50 years is going to be even more. And so although they're receiving a good education at degree level, they have got to keep going to courses, keeping themselves up to date and adapting to the world that's facing us. And there is a lot of challenge. There's a lot of social need. Society often doesn't actively want a new sewer, but it needs a new sewer. And you have to deliver it in such a way that it doesn't inconvenience too many people. It can't avoid doing some inconvenience because of it, but you want to sort of make them realise at the end of the day that you've actually improved their quality of life. That's the real benefit of being a civil engineer. If you're working in flood risk, you're reducing people's flood risk. If you're working in water supply, you're giving them an enhanced quality of supply. Rivers, the same. And we've as a country, moved so far on all of those measures in the last 50 years. But we've left a lot of work for the next generation to do, I'm afraid. And with climate change coming on, there is an urgency to that work that needs to be done. It's quite a responsibility, actually, isn't it? We seem to be at that point in history where there's lots of warnings coming from scientists and engineers about what the, the possibilities of the awful catastrophes that could be coming. It's quite a responsibility, really, isn't it, to get it right? Yes. Um, we've, we've got to think very hard about what sort of problems we can tackle and what sort of appropriate solutions. Because when we, as civil engineers, build projects, they tend to last for 50, 80 years. And so, therefore, you've got to look into the future and say, what do they need going forward? And how could it be adapted if it needs to be adapted later on? Now, photographer Anita Corbin has put together an exhibition called First Women UK. It was created to mark the 2018 centenary for the granting of the vote to some women. We've been talking about this on this programme quite a lot, actually. It features portraits of 100 pioneering women of the 21st century. It says, ordinary women achieving extraordinary things. That's the way it's described. And you are one of these women, which is amazing. How did you feel about being asked to take part in that prestigious project? I was absolutely amazed. And and I admire Anita for having such a concept 10 years ago and starting the project, putting together these photographs over the 10-year period and really persevering setting up the opportunities to to photograph us and launching the the exhibition in 2018 to celebrate the women getting the vote, or some women getting the vote. Some women, yes. Not not everybody got it at that point, but uh, it was a good start. And I just admire her for her energy and her drive 
And she is now taking this exhibition around the country. And as you say, it's going to be a new market this year and other places later on. It's touring until 2020, I yes. believe, even yes. throughout the country, which is fantastic. Were you happy with the photograph that she took of you? I never like being photographed. <laughs> me, me, me too. <laughs> but but uh, technically, it's a very good photograph. But um, I've, I've never been comfortable in front of a camera. I agreed because I thought it was important for civil engineering to be figured in there. And she has chosen such a wonderful range of professions, activities, sport, politics. It's the whole gambit, yes. really, isn't it? yes. And that's exactly what's required for such a project. Yes. And they are all so different. They're all so individual. There is no one style that she's adopted for for all of us. And I think that is what is so refreshing about the exhibition. What would you like to achieve? Is there anything left for you to achieve in your career? I'm on the Environment Agency's Anglian Central Front Defence Committee, so I'm still continuing to contribute there, running the consultancy. I'm also on council. I do a lot of volunteer work now. Uh, well, I've always done volunteer work, but I'm increasing that amount. I'm on the council for the RNLI and finding that very satisfying organisation to, to be part of and to support. So whilst I'm not physically capable of, of actually going down on the lifeboats, unfortunately, <laughs> I, I can at least apply my mind to the technical committee and, and the council and contribute in, the, in that way. And there are various other organisations. I, I support the Royal Academy of Engineering. I'm a fellow there. And I'm on those committees and I'm on the Institution of Civil Engineers committees. So there's a lot of activity going on in my life and not to mention sort of all the domestic and gardening and family. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you have family? Yes. uh, We had two sons. We have two sons. The youngest is just about to go down this Saturday to Antarctica because he works for British Antarctic Survey in in Cambridge. And so he'll be down there till Easter. He's been going down every winter probably for the last 13 years. He's an oceanographer, so he does research work from the ship down there. And the other one is a a chartered accountant and works as a finance director up near Liverpool. So no engineers in the family, no more civil engineers? No, that's women's work in our house. (laughs) (laughs) Dr Jean Venables, it's been fantastic speaking to you. Thank you very much for coming on. (laughs) Thank you. And that was Dr Jean Venables, CBE, talking to Linda Ness.